Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'd like to greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, good evening, and uh, I uh, am thankful for the invitation that Brother Biscal has extended to me. And uh, this is the first time that I brought my wife with me. So I believe this is the fourth time that I'm here. Uh, I remember that the first time I went here was uh, in 2002. I was still managing the office of Bible Believers uh, in the Philippines, and I had that was my first trip to the U.S. and, and here in in Canada. And, uh, and the Lord, by, by His grace, uh, I was able to manage the office for the le- next uh, 10 years until it closed last 2008. And uh, when uh, the office closed, I was asking myself actually that is this all that we have to do? I mean, is it finished? Is it over? And then. I didn't know what uh, the, the plan of God was. As years passed by, some of the local ministers there also, you know them, they have been here before. Brother Nestor has been with Brother Tom in Congo the last uh, last year. And Brother Danny, he used to be a tra- translator uh, in, in the Philippines. And uh, these brothers uh, started doing works in, in, in Asia, going to Myanmar, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, we also, they also went to Vietnam and Thailand and Laos. Now, Vietnam and Laos is, is, is not, uh, it's not as free as this. You cannot preach everywhere. It's like in China. But, uh, God gave us wisdom and, uh, just to meet the Laos brothers, they have to go to the border of Thailand to cross the border and we get a hotel room and meet the brothers. These are ministers from Laos. They, 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 uh, they are, they're part of the LEC or the Laos Evangel- uh, Evangelical Churches. But they have come out of this denomination and, uh, they have accepted the message. In fact, they're doing translation works. And so, uh, these are ministers coming to Thailand to hear the message and they go back preaching to their people. Because foreigners cannot preach in that place. And, uh, also in Cambodia, <clears throat> Um, Brother Nestor started a, group, a work there. Of course, there were other missionaries who went there before, and uh, we don't want to discount what they have done in uh, in the uh, in uh, in the past. But uh, in the time that Brother Nestor went there, he he was able to conduct seminars uh, for for ministers uh, from the denomination. And some are not even Christians; they are Buddhist, but they somehow they attended the seminars. And out of these seminars, years that, that the, Brother Nessa was doing it, four pastors went out of the denomination together with their churches. And so now they are believing the message. And there's a young brother there. I think he's just only 23 years old. He started when he was 19 years old. And uh, he, 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 his name is Brother Paul. Uh, he has a Cambodian name, but it's hard to pronounce. So we shortcut it and call him Brother Paul. It's easier to remember. And uh, he has translated more than 200 messages in the Khmer language, and uh, he's continuously doing it. And it so happened that he's, uh, he's an English teacher. So when he was studying English, all he wanted to do is to, you know, to learn English and to teach English. Little did they know that God will use him for that purpose. And so now he's uh, uh, ministering there, he's preaching, he's uh, translating for the missionaries coming in there. So we had the first camp meeting in Cambodia, putting all together these churches and the believers. Last uh, 2017, and the second camp meeting was 2018. And the people, I mean, uh, it's not as many as Uganda, like Brother Tim is preaching, but end time evangelism is looking for the last predestinated sin. Okay? 
You don't care if it's three or two or five, as long as it's part of the seed, then we are happy that they are coming in, right? And uh, if you look at the statistics, it's it's not much, but the bride is more than enough. Okay, so we we continue to go there. We do follow-ups, and there's a group of these young brothers and sisters. They're all professionals. Uh, they they know how to speak English, and I be, we believe that uh, they will be used by the Lord to spread the message in their own country. So uh, while we are uh, on it, and we we plan to make follow-up trips there in the next few months, and maybe. Uh, if they get established, they can do their own thing. And hopefully uh, this year we, we are planning to have a camp meeting. Again, there's sometime in November, that's their long holidays. And uh, we are inviting the brothers from Laos, brothers from Thailand, to come in together into that camp meeting. So uh, it's all in Asia. And I, I can still look back to the time that uh, uh, Brother Ernie was there and they were sharing the vision of spreading this message, making the message available to the hands of the people. And I believe in the continuity of the ministry. It doesn't stop with one man. We can get old. If the Lord tarries for the next 50 years, I will get older. I cannot go on mission trips anymore. But I believe God will raise young, younger generation. And way back a few years ago, we... We were able to catch the inspiration that we saw that this church was doing. And now we're doing it uh, from the Philippines. And, you know, Philippines is not a very rich country, but the Lord provided for the needs. The Lord, I think we all need just to have the desire to do it, and the Lord will provide for everything. And I don't even uh, understand how we can go to these places, you know, you know, the expenses and the mission works, but the Lord has provided and we have built a church in Cambodia, and we are building another two churches in Cambodia. Uh, so, for me, this is just a great privilege of being a part of a ministry that the Lord has entrusted to His faithful servants. And uh, today, I am very uh, thankful that the Lord has allowed me to go back here again in, in, in Cloverdale. This is my, I would call my second church, of course, my first church in the Philippines, in Shangri-La Hotel, the hotel where Brother Biscal stayed. Uh, after that a church was established there we are still using the hotel premises there the the general manager there's been good to us no one is no one from our church is already is working there we have all resigned from there but they still give us the good discount in a five star hotel using the facilities there and so many amenities and uh, we pray that the lord will continue to bless them but uh, i said the most important thing that happened in the data day it called souls many souls uh, to come and serve the Lord, and uh, we are thankful that uh, uh, He's continuing uh, to call the people in those parts of the world. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I'd like to bring you greetings from our church in Shangri-La. I believe some of them are streaming right now because it's afternoon time in uh, or noon time in the Philippines today, so they know that I'm here. So. I think they, they're not tired of hearing me preaching, so they're here. And I was watching your watch night uh, last December 31, and I was really surprised to see many Filipinos already here, because the last time I was here, not too many Filipinos yet. I was, that was 2014, and now, and I saw them singing here. I said, I think that, I, and I, there was a Tagalog singing, so 
that that could not be Canadians. <laughs> that could be Filipino. So I said that uh, I'll be preaching here. Maybe I can still I can also preach in our language. <laughs> but uh, again, I'm thankful. But that uh, there there's a church here that uh, the Filipinos can go to a church because. Uh, I was, as I was telling Brother Tom last night, there's a brother. Uh, he was my former boss, uh, my my in in the in Shangri-La. He has retired last uh, year. He was working with the IBM company, and uh, uh, he has retired. And he said they will be migrating here in Canada, the whole family, and they wanted to attend this church also. So he's uh, he's a good brother, and I believe that uh, if they can file the documents right, then they can you, they will be here with you in the next uh, maybe. A year or two years, then uh, they will. They plan to be here because they have been streaming the services here, and they know that uh, uh, they will be blessed. Their whole family will be blessed in this congregation. And so, <clears throat> we also bring the greetings of uh, these ministers that I'm working with, Brother Nestor and Brother Danny. I just talked to them uh, a while back, and they wanted to to extend their greetings to you also. And um, I'm I'm thankful uh, that. Uh, I've been standing with uh, shoulder to shoulder with the ministers at the back here, but our team, of course, I met him first in 2014. He's been in the Philippines uh, uh, during the Asian the Asian Ministers Conference. Uh, we just held the eighth Asian Ministers Conference last November last year, and uh, many Asian brothers are coming in. We the Lord has granted us uh, the privilege to go to all go also to Pakistan. And to share the believers, I, I, I was surprised to learn that the, the message was already there since the 1970s, but uh, they still uh, wanted to hear more about the message. Now, these are the younger generation, and most of the younger generation, they can speak and understand English, but you still need some interpreters there. But, uh, of course, Pakistan is not, uh, you cannot move really as free as in a free country. It's more of a Muslim country, but uh, <clears throat> the, the, that's where the Lord is taking us communist country, Muslim country, so it's a little bit of a challenge, but I believe that there are seeds laying there. Amen. Amen. And uh, as we are always challenged, that uh, we should pray for all these uh, brothers, uh, because we believe that in the rapture, people will be, will be coming from the east and the west, and the south and the north, and there will be no borders, no no, uh, no discrimination, no racial differences. It's all the bride of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, it's Friday night. I don't want to keep you long. So anyway, I, I don't preach too long. I reserve it for Sunday. Just want to share something, some thoughts that the Lord has placed in my heart. So if I may invite you to stand up, uh, I would like to to read the particular verse in the particular verse in the in the Old Testament. Most of you are. Uh, uh, believers for a long time and the subject, when we go to the subject of Elijah, it's almost very familiar to all of us because we believe in the Elijah of this day and uh, I would like to read in 1 Kings chapter 19, we'll be reading verse 15 to 17 let's bow our heads first and uh, let's talk to the author of the word our gracious heavenly father we are so thankful lord that you have gathered us in this place giving us the opportunity to talk about your word we thank you lord for giving us strength lord for all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us we are just in the beginning weeks of this new year and we expect more blessings from you not just material or financial blessings but more of the spiritual blessings because we believe that the time is at hand your coming is very near 
and you need to prepare, we need to prepare as your bride for your coming. And so let us be dressed up with your righteousness, your word. Help us that this message will be made uh, real to our lives. And as we listen to your word, may it quicken in our hearts, Father. I pray, I pray that you anoint the hearts and the ears of my brothers and sisters. And as you anoint my lips, make me just a channel of your blessing tonight. And may you get all the glory and the honor yeah. at the end of the service of all these things we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. So, uh, I would like to speak tonight on the Lord's anointing and its purpose. We believe in the Lord's anointing. Without the anointing of the Lord, we cannot do anything. We think we can do anything. We think we can accomplish anything. But it's nothing without the anointing of the Lord. So God gives us the anointing. But the anointing has a purpose that goes with it. Okay? So in 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 15, this is what the word says. The Lord said unto him, Go return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Amen. God bless the word. We now be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> when I first preached here, I I remember the time I was in the back room and I was talking to Brother Ed. I was telling him, uh, I am too young during the time. I was very young during the time. It was 17 years ago. And I asked Brother Ed, How, what, what can I preach to the congregation that you have not preached? Because he's a more, I would call, a seasoned minister. Uh, I, I believe he has preached everything that needs to be preached in this congregation. And so there's nothing new to preach, actually. And uh, so I said, I, I told him that I, I, I got nervous during the time. I got nervous again today. It's always the feeling that yeah, you have when you, before you stand in the pulpit. And I, I can still remember his words. He said, uh, it's good that you feel nervous. Because if you don't feel nervous, that means you're just doing it your way. Amen. And he said, uh, he said, he told me these words that, uh, you ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do the job. And from that time on, every time I preach, I always ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now there's nothing actually new to preach. Everything that we preach, we get it from the message. We may quote different quotes. You may have, you may have heard what I'll be preaching tonight. But you know, the anointing is always fresh every day. The anointing is always new. So you may hear the same sermon all over again, but if the anointing is fresh, it will quicken your hearts. So we believe that the Lord will anoint us today, this weekend, and uh, the Lord willing, uh, uh, He can speak to us personally. That's what I want to do tonight. I want to speak to you personally, to your hearts. I don't, I don't want, I, I'm not, I'm not a, a a fantastic preacher, but I just want to go directly to your hearts that you may get something out of this message tonight as, as you go home. And so we want to talk about the Lord's anointing. Everything that the Lord does, it always has a purpose. He doesn't do anything without a purpose. He doesn't get surprised when something happens, when right. something breaks up. He doesn't get, oh, well, how did, what, how did this happen? 
everything that happens is for a purpose and he is not, uh, he is, he is knowledgeable of all these things. And every time the Lord anoints us, it's also for a purpose. Now there are many reasons, many, many ways or many, uh, reasons that God gives us the anointing. It's, uh, if we can look in, uh, the book of Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He had anointed me to preach and to heal the sick, to, to deliver the captives. So, these are all the purposes of anointing, okay? To preach, to heal, and everything. But for this particular night, I would like to focus on this, on these three reasons that, uh, I got it from these verses. It's actually the principles of this anointing. And once we get these principles, I, 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 I love preaching on principles of the message. We get the message, we get the principle, and I give it to you on a bite size, like a nuggets. Okay, because you will remember it better than giving you the whole quotations. Because I believe that uh, you are well versed in the message, and once I say something, it will just quicken in your hearts. So, <clears throat> the background of this story, as we all know, Elijah was in the point of, of his life where he felt that everything was already over. He felt that uh, his ministry is over. That's why he was asking the Lord to take his life. He had the victory. He had the victory in Mount Carmel. Then he had the juniper tree experience. Then he had the cave experience. Amen. And the prophet said that every, uh, uh, whenever a man has a blessing, the power of God pours down and does something for you. He said, look out, Satan's on track. He said, just remember, the next day, the Monday after a good Sunday, it's going to be a hard thing. And I believe not only ministers uh, experience that, even the believers, you may be blessed on a, on a Friday night or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. Then the next day, you have lots of challenges in your life. So this is what happened to Elijah. It happened to, the, to our prophet, Brother Branham. He said, when he was preaching about Elijah, he said, uh, Oh, the juniper tree. Everybody wants to sleep in the juniper tree. And frankly speaking, he said, I am under that juniper tree. So he was speaking, he's preaching, encouraging the people, but he himself is in a discouraging situation. See? So no one is exempt. No matter how old you are, Whatever your status in life, whatever, uh, let's say, uh, you have a big ministry or a small ministry, that time will come that we will have low moments. And low moments always come after a good victory. Okay? I, I have experienced that many times in my life that I, after I was blessed or, uh, let's say, I was used by the Lord in a particular ministry, then the next few weeks, it's the low moments in my life. I feel like quitting. And I've done that many times in my life. I said, the Lord, it's over. And the, it's as if the Lord's talking to me and said, it's not finished until I am finished. God is not, you are not finished until God is finished with you. In other words, if you are still here sitting, if you are still alive, that means God's not finished with us. He will have to use us some way or another. I don't know how big or small it is, but, but, but God will use us. So he thought that it was only him that he was alive. He was hiding in a cave because of his fear of uh, Jezebel. Now, before hiding in a cave, he had the juniper tree experience, the Car- Mount Carmel experience. and uh, But it was also in the juniper tree that God fed him. He was strengthening the prophet because he knows there's still work to be done for Elijah. Alright? He still has a great journey ahead of him, so God has to strengthen him. So on his way back to the wilderness, he passed to the cave. He had an earth, there was an earthquake, there was a fire, okay, there's a wind, a rushing wind, but the, the Bible said, God was not there. But then there was the still small voice. 
And that still small voice was the one who gave the instruction to Elijah on what to do next. That was the text that we read tonight. He was to anoint Elisha to be the continuity of his ministry. Okay, He was to anoint Jehu, the king of Israel, and to anoint Hazael, the king of Syria. Now these three anointings, my brothers and sisters, it is all in the mind of God. It has a purpose. Hazel was not a believer. I mean, he's a Syrian. Okay? But who anoints even the enemies? It's the Lord. Even the challenges that we face in life, it's the Lord that allows it. If he will not allow the devil to give us these challenges, we will not experience these challenges. So nothing happens by accident. And the prophet said in one of his messages, he said, God is behind every move. In other words, whatever we do, we think even our mistakes, God is behind it. He allows it for a reason. He, he, he doesn't make us make a mistake. But even our mistakes, He will use it for His glory. We may slip down to His permissive will, but God will turn it out to be His perfect will, and He gets all the glory. Okay? So, that means the Lord is in control of our life. And with that kind of assurance, we should be the happiest people in the world. Because the Lord is in, uh, is in control of our life. So now, here we, we saw that it isn't always the noisy things, the great things that the, the, the Lord is there. It's not the noisy things. You see? The, you know, the word, Brother Branham said in, in the message, word thou, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, uh, the, word, the word loves entertainment. See? They want to be entertained. People go to church, some, I'm not referring to this church, but in the denominational churches, or sometimes in, even in some message churches. They go to church to be entertained, to hear what they want to hear. But they don't want reproof, they don't want instructions, they don't want to be rebuked. Okay? And some people don't want to have even a home church that they can hear instructions and admonitions. But see, the prophet said, the church is not entertainment. It's not supposed to entertain. It's supposed to preach the new birth. Okay? That makes a new creature in Christ. But the word is looking for something fantastic. Okay? See, but, but, but we are, we are, we are, we are told, amen. We are told by, by, by the word of God that when we serve the Lord, it's not a bed of roses. It's not a picnic. There will be trials, there will be all, all these things to strengthen our faith in Him. Okay? So it's still that still small voice that God that operates the power of God that makes things real and brings life to the church. So, so we will talk about the three anointings. We will talk first about the anointing of Elisha. Elijah is actually the continuity of the ministry of Elijah. He asked for the double portion. We know that. And and, and Elijah, uh, I mean, uh, uh, <clears throat> Elijah was, it, it was a time that he was calling Elijah because the prophet said, the spirit doesn't leave this earth. The man leaves the earth, but the spirit goes on. It just transferred to the next man. So if you say, if I say I'm a, I'm a great minister, when I live, nobody can minister as good as me, then I'm the best liar in the world. Because the, it's just the anointing, it transferred to the next person. Okay? Now, in 1 Kings 19.19, it says here, this is the calling of, uh, this is the three stages of Elijah. So we can see the anointing of Elijah. He said, so he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was flowing with the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast him the mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back, for what have I done to thee? 
And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. In other words, when he, if he, if ever Elisha would change his mind that he would like to go back to farming, there would be no more instrument to be used. Because he already, he already burned it. Okay? And now the oxen already sacrificed it and gave it to the people and they did it. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So Elijah, this is the first thing about the calling. He was determined to follow Elijah. We will be required to be determined to follow Christ. And we will be tested if we can follow Christ. It's easy to follow Christ for the first two or three years of your Christian life. But after that, okay, things will start to get rough on your life. And sometimes that's where uh, we were, we are tested if we are really determined to follow Christ. There will be compromises, then there will be opportunities. Even opportunities can take you away from the Lord. Okay? Every time in the Philippines, for example, there we have church members in the church that they want a better life. They would go out of the country, apply in, to, to work in different countries, uh, either in the U.S., in Europe the Middle East, in China, or I wonder why they go, they would like to go to other third world country, but, uh, you know, uh, I would always advise and tell them, uh, if there's no church in the place that you're going, you better not go. Because you may get all the increase, all the opportunities, but if there's no church, your spiritual life will just go down the drain. Okay, that's always what I tell them because uh, it's good to, to, to have your material blessings, but if you lose your spiritual blessings, then you're finished. Okay, so here, Elisha was uh, determined, no? And, and God wants to test if he really was determined for a calling. You know, who discouraged Elisha? It was Elijah. He said, go back. Go back. Sometimes we look at, we, we God allow, uh, most of the time people who are supposed to encourage us will be the one or will be the source of our discouragement. No? God will allow it. And God allows that so we will not be following a man, but we will follow God. Okay, because sometimes we, we have the tendency to worship a man. It's, a, it's in human nature. If this man is so good, so anointed, we tend to follow the man. And we fail to follow the, the God behind the man. Okay? And we, we have seen that in the message. In the message believers. They have followed Brother Branham, the man. But they failed to, to, to follow, you know, the, the God that anointed Brother Branham. And so there's so many schisms in the message. So many groups. So many extremes in the message. Because of this, uh, this thing that is happening. So Peter uh, wrote in his, in his epistle, he said, uh, make your calling and election sure. For if you do this, you will not fall. You will not fail. Okay? Now, we have to know that God called us. We have to know that it was God who elected, that it was not man who chose us. Okay? And now, then, uh, so we, 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 so we see him that he was determined to follow no matter what he was. He has to leave his profession, farming. Okay? And sometimes you will be called. You have to leave your business. You have to leave your job. You have to leave everything, your comfort zone. Because God will use you for another purpose. Okay? When I, when I uh, was 33 years old, that was 20 years ago, and Brother Ernie came to the hotel, he talked to my, to my manager, to my, to my superior, and he said, I, we are looking for a manager to, uh, a brother to manage the office of Bible believers. And that brother uh, referred, he referred uh, Brother Ernie to me, and he talked to me, they interviewed me, 
And I was thinking that uh, if I will, uh, uh, I was already doing good in my career in the hotel, but uh, I felt the calling. Now, when I when when I when I took the the, the calling, I have to leave the comfort zone that I, I I'm so comfortable with. I have to leave this and leave that and leave that. And you know, uh, every time I uh, uh, I remember the the benefits and the privilege and the what. I could be, though you know the great what if, right? If I have continued my my uh, my uh, my career in this in this industry, but uh, many years later, 20 years later, I look back. God has done so many things in my life. I, if I could have stayed in that career for the last 20 years, maybe I'm still there, still doing security in the hotel, but haven't you know met other people. Hadn't have the opportunity to minister to the people, to be used by the Lord in the way that He wants me to use. Because sometimes we want to use God to use us in the way that we want to be used. So it was a it was a great lesson to me. But I never understood it in the first five to ten years of my life. But later on, as I look back, that's the only time that you will understand. And I never regret giving up what I should have become. See. Earlier in my life, I should have become, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to be in the military, I want to serve in the Philippines in the, back in the 1980s. It was a prestigious profession to be in the military. So I wanted to be in the military, but, uh, and, uh, as I see my classmates now, they are, uh, uh my batchmates, they are now the, the commanding generals in the armed force of the Philippines because at this age they are already promoted. And as I look at them, I said, I, I, I am in a better position than they are. They may be the generals in the armed force of the Philippines and they have the great command, but they have not done what I have done. In the, in the light of serving the Lord. And you know what? One time we had uh, a homecoming. It's like an alumni in the academy that we came from and we talked together and everybody was saying they were successful in their different careers. But you know, all of them, no one from them is a believer. And when we talk about faith, then they said, I had, I, I, I went ahead of them many, many miles away. Yes. See, because at the end of their career, they will retire. Yeah. They will lay down their position, their rank, their privilege and everything. They will get old like me. But one thing that I have that they don't have, I have an assurance that I will go to the rapture. <laughs> See, so I started sharing it to some of my classmates and some of them because they're getting ready to retire. You know, people, when they retire, they start to look for God. Right. Sometimes you just have to wait to get them to get older. And so this, this, this man, this, this classmate that I was sharing the message, I, uh, you know, when we were young, they were so boastful with what they have. And but many years later, when I shared to them the message, they, they're more recipient. And I believe, given more years of uh, gray hair and everything, they will start listening to what I was sharing to them. So I said. Thank, thank, thank the Lord. I thank the Lord because He called me for that purpose. Okay. So here is Elisha. He was called. Then in Second Kings, this was his commission ship. Okay. It came to pass in verse nine. He said, "When they were gone, and Eli- that Elijah said to unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I can be taken away.' And I said, Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me.' And he said, Thou wast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so." So, so to cut the story short, Elijah's requirements was, 
you must be focused on what the Lord will do to me. See, first was determination, now it's being focused. He was, he has to see Elijah being taken away by the chariot, this chariots of fire. Uh, he was to look and focus his attention. He was not focused on what Elijah was doing, but he was focused on what God was doing in the ministry of Elijah. He has to see it. In the same manner that we have to be focused in what God did in the ministry in the Elijah of our days. We will not be focused on how the prophet lived this life here, how he ate, how he took the candies from this. You know, he has many stories. And there are so many uh, American missionaries who goes to the Philippines before handing out the, I don't know, the, the, the candies that brother, the, yeah, yeah, the red nuts. Because it's the favorite brother. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Even you eat, you know, pounds and pounds of this uh, candies, it will not save you. Right? But so many, so many missionaries before they went there, as if you have to eat that to be a message believer. See? But it doesn't agree with our taste buds. Yeah? So it's has nothing to do. Because people became so focused with what the prophet was doing. But here's Elijah said, look at me when I go up. What was Elijah saying? Look at me, what the Lord will be doing to me. It's always focus on the Lord, not on the man that the Lord is using. Okay? So he took up the mantle in Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood the bank of the Jordan. God, and, and he said, uh, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He was not asking, where is Elijah? He was asking for the God of Elijah. Because Elijah went off the scene. And the spirit that was in Elijah is now with Elisha. Okay? So now it's Elisha and God. It's not Elisha and Elijah anymore. So that is the purpose of the commissionship. That was the anointing to, uh, to, to receive his calling, to receive his commissionship. But he has to look at the right way. He has to look at how the Lord moved in the, uh, I would say in the ministry of, of Elijah. Okay. Now, he asked for a double portion of anointing. He got the double portion. Okay. Now notice that the essence of this instruction was to be focused on what God is doing in the ministry. It was not about Elijah. Uh, Elijah. Elijah was not just imitating Elijah. Now you can see many, many uh, ministers that I see, they are just trying to imitate another minister. The way they preach. The way they, they the mannerisms in the pulpit. Okay? The way they point. The way they jump. Yeah, and you you can mimic everything. You can mimic everything, but if the anointing is not with you, it's useless. It will not transform the hearts of the people. It's not only in the ministry. It's all we do not we do not get the spirit of the minister. We do not get the spirit of the pastor. We get the spirit of the Lord. Now let let me read to you this this quote in in the message earnestly contending for the faith. He said he was talking about gifts and calling without repentance, and he said uh, gifts and callings not what you want to be. It's what God makes you. Amen. You are because God has chosen you to be, not because you chose to be. God chose you. And if you are trying to make yourself something that hasn't, that God hasn't chose you to do, you're only a mimic. Right. And it will never be a success, he said. Never will be a success. You've got to be what God chose you to be. So God chose you, chose you to be that way. God chose me to be this way. So we have to abide in our calling. Okay, we will not have to to imitate other people. We can we can follow them as they follow Christ, but we have our own calling. We can catch the inspiration that, like was I was testifying to you later. We were able to catch the ministers from the Philippines. We were able to catch the inspiration 
that brother brother Biscal was 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 able to, to to impart the people the ministers when he went there the other missionaries who went there so now they are getting older we are also getting older we are continuing some things not to imitate what you are doing here but to go to somewhere else that the Lord wants us to go it's not for our glory it's not for our credit but it's for the body of Christ okay so we will be doing things that's why when I hear mission reports here in Africa or in China or whatever part of the world we are so thankful because we believe we may not be doing that but we are still part of the body that's doing that amen okay so now the third stage of the life of Elijah okay this is the death of Elijah in 2nd Kings chapter 13 he said now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness wherefore he died so during the time of his death it was Joas who was the king of Israel okay and so he called for Eli- for uh, Joash and he said uh, take bows and arrows and took, the, to, uh, took unto him the bows and arrows and he said to the king of Israel put thine hand upon the bow and he put his hand upon it and Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand and he said open the, in- the window eastward and he opened it, then Elijah said, shoot! And he shot. And he said, the hour of the Lord's deliverance, the hour of the deliverance from Syria, from that thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apek till thou hast consumed them. Okay, that was the instruction of Elijah. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, and smote them thrice, and stayed. And the man of God was wrought. Okay? With him, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then thou was smitten Syria till thou was consumed. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. So Elijah in his ministry had a double portion of Elijah. He did his best in his years of ministry, of what God called him to do. He was not a mediocre. You know? he, he was doing the best that he can do. Now in his deathbed, he was instructing the king of Israel, do also your best. Don't be a half-hearted Christian. Brother Branhamson said, there's no halfway Christian in the message. We are, it's either we are a full Christian, or we're not Christian at all. There's no partial Christian. There's no, uh, like a secret agent Christian. You have to, 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 to bring out your colors. Anyway, everybody's bringing out their true colors. Everybody's going out of their closet. Look at the LGBTs. Yeah? They, 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 they're now, uh, they're so proud to, to come out of their closet. Now it's time for us to come out also of our closet. We have to show our true colors. Amen. Right? And so, the, the, the prophet was, was, was angry at Joash because he did not do his best. So this is the, the purpose of the anointing of Elisha for his calling. That he should be determined to follow his calling. Again, next is the commission should be focused not on the man, but on the God that is anointing the person. And this is the third one. This is to, to do your best whatever God has placed in your hands. Whatever God has placed in your hands. You don't, you don't have to be a big somebody to do, to do your best. Whatever God has placed in your hands, do your best. Because at the end of the day, in, when we face the Lord, we will be accountable for what, what God has placed in our hands. I will not be accountable. What God has placed in the hands of Brother Tim. That is his ministry. That is what he does. That is his mission works and everything. And we thank the Lord for that. But I will be accountable with what the Lord has given me. So whether it's smaller than, than what other, others minister, I will be responsible. You will be responsible with, with, with what God has placed in your hands. Okay. Amen. Now, let's go to the anointing of Jehu. Now, Jehu was... When you read about Jehu in the message, uh, 
Brother Banam said Jehu was a man of God. And it's true. He was a man of God. And in Second Kings chapter 9, it was Elijah who, who, who anointed the prophet. The, 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 the command was, Elijah, your ministry is not over because you will anoint Jehu. But if you read the story, it was Elijah already anointed. It's not Elijah. So, is there something wrong there? No. It was the continuity of the spirit of Elijah. And even if you read the Kings, it was not actually Elisha who poured the, the box, the, the oil in the head of Elisha, but it, it was the son of a prophet. Okay? So it is, he delegated it, but it is still the Lord who anointed it. He anointed Jehu for a purpose. And this, and this purpose of, uh, of, uh, Jehu was, is written in verse 7, and thou shalt smite the house of Ahab thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Okay? So, here we can see, my brothers and sisters, the second reason that I would like to show you the, the, the purpose of anointing is to execute judgment to those who will not obey the Lord. Sometimes it me it will seem so cruel, but you know it has to be done. And Jehu was the man to do that. So he was known for his zealousness. In fact, uh, you can read in the in, in chapter nine that uh, the the characteristic of uh, the zealousness of Jehu was he he drives his chariot furious, furiously. Yeah. So when they see the chariot racing there, and they know it's Jehu. Yeah, because he want to, to, to accomplish the mission immediately. Yeah. See? And in, in, in chapter 10, you can read that, uh, that he was talking, uh, uh, I believe he, uh, he was talking to Jehonadab and said, see my zealousness. Yeah. yeah. He was boasting about his zealousness to the Lord. It is a requirement that we, when you serve the Lord, we, we should be zealous enough yeah. to serve the Lord. Right. See? But you know, Jay was a little bit of a problem. He had a partial obedience of the commandment of the Lord. He destroyed the Baal worship, the Baal, the Baal worship, the idolatry, but he did not destroy the golden cubs. Right. See? It's also idolatry, but it's localized. Because it was, you know, the story of the golden cub, it came from Aaron, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's how they, they got this, uh, uh, this, uh, thinking of, uh, serving a golden cub. See? So, he destroyed the foreign idolaters, but not the local. So it was partial. And you know, when you, when you, when you only have a, a partial, uh, partial, uh, obedience to the Lord, it always has a consequence. It always has a consequence. Okay? Sometimes you, you when we obey, it has good consequence, but we disobey. It will always have a consequence in our life. I always tell my church, I have done wrong things in my life when I was in my thirties, in my twenties. I was not yet a believer during the time. And I will tell you, the younger generation, that I have, there are so many consequences in the wrong things that I have done in, in the, the first 20 years of my life, that I have suffered for the ne- another 20 years of my life. This consequence will run after you. Don't say, you, of course you are per- forgiven, you are justified as if you have not done it in the first place, then you pass the process of sanctification, but God will allow the consequence to follow your life. You know why? So you will not go back to that sin anymore. So and, I, and I believe that most of you here that are aged, you can say that you have experienced many consequences, negative consequences of the wrong things that we have done in our life. God is a just God. If you will do something wrong, we will suffer for it. We will be forgiven by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, but 
there will be consequence in the wrong things that we have done. And sometimes that consequence will last a lifetime. So it will always be reminded, don't go back to there anymore. That's why when you say, tell to the younger generation, you're saying it not coming from your intellect, but coming from your heart. Because you have experienced the consequence of their life. So choices and consequence, it always goes the same. Okay? So now, here is Eli, here is Jehu. He has a partial disobedience. Okay? It's supposed to be, uh, the Lord will, uh, uh, will bless him more, but you know, because of his partial disobedience, uh, he had consequence in our, in his life that he, that he, he didn't want, uh, to have, but nevertheless, he suffered this consequence. He said, I just want to read this in the second, in the book of Second Kings. He said, however, the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not for up, from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, the children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. That is the good consequence. Because of the, 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 this, the, the obedience of Jehu, the, 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 the throne will remain with them for until four generations. If we do something good in our generation today, the fourth, even to the fourth generation, they will, uh, they will, uh, reap the benefit of it. That's the reason why some of you, the younger generation, are blessed because our parents serve the Lord. It's not that because you're intelligent, I keep telling on my, to my children, not because you're intelligent, you're skilled, that's why the God's blessing, because your parents serve the Lord. Your grandparents serve the Lord. And now we're just reaping what they have sowed. Amen. See? Now, but the, the, the next thing here, but in verse, but Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. For he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which is, which made Israel to sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short, the negative consequence. And Hazel smote them in all the coasts of Israel. God has promised us victory against the enemy. So if ever we lose, that means that we have done something wrong in our life. You have to be humble enough. Don't say it is a trial. If you've done something wrong, it's not a trial. It's God. It's God's rod of correction to us. Okay? Now, even Hazel was anointed to be king over Syria. Now, I'd like to, to focus on this point now. Hazel is the enemy of Israel. But God anointed Hazel to be an instrument for the judgment and the punishment of Israel. Disobedience. Okay, now here we, we see here uh, the story in First Second Kings chapter eight and Elisha verse seven and Elisha came to Damascus and Benada the king of Syria was sick and it was told him saying the the, the man of God is come hither and the king of said unto to Hazel take a present in thine hand and go meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him saying shall I recover of this disease so Hazel went to him and took a present with him even every good thing of Damascus. Forty camels burden and came and stood there. So he gave gifts. Okay. And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayst certainly recover. Howbeit the Lord has showed me that he shall surely die. So it's a little bit confusing. He will recover, but he will die. Now Elisha was meaning that he will recover from his sickness, but he will die in another way. And, and, and Hazel, and he settled his contest steadfastly until he was ashamed. So Elisha was looking Hazel eye to eye. Now this is a prophet. He can so he can see through the eyes of Hazel the intents of his hearts. See, 
And when you look at a person eye to eye for the next 30 seconds, you can see what is in his heart. If you look at really close. If you are talking to a person, if you want to know he's lying, look at him straight eye to eye. When I was an investigator, I used to do that. When I see the pupils, you know, shrinking, that means he's lying. Yeah. That's the best lie detector test that I, it's a trade secret. Right. Yeah. But every time I do investigation works, I look at him eye to eye. And when he starts, you know, to dry his throat and everything, you know he's telling a lie. Because we are not born to tell, to tell a lie. So if we tell a lie, something happens with the pupil of our eyes, something happens with our throat, and then you can speak all the lies you want. Okay? But if you have a good discernment, then you can see that the people is lying. And I can use that when, as a pastor, when I give advice or counsel to the people, I look at them eye to eye. And the first thing they know, they, they close their eyes. <laughs> Because they know I'll find out the truth. And so here's Elisha looking at Hazel because he knows what's the intent of Hazel. Uh, and he said, Hazel, Hazel said, why weep it my Lord? He answered, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. He was looking at Hazel. He, Hazel was not even a king during at the time. And he said, I'm crying because I can see what you will do to the people of Israel. See? And, and their strongholds will thou set on fire, their young men will thou slay in the sword, he will thou dash their children and rip their woman with, with child. And Hazel said, but what? Is thy servant a dog? Now Hazel was acting as if he cannot do what, he, what Elisha was saying. But this is a prophet of God. He was seeing the things that are to be. And Hazel actually was not actually wondering, but he was feeling excited inside. Why? Because he said, he said here, that he should be, and Elisha answered, the Lord has showed me that thou shalt be king over Israel. I can imagine Hazel. Like, he was, he was trying to, to show, uh, Elisha that he's not excited, but inside he was really excited. Because he was, a prophet told him that you will be the king. You will be the next king. And you know Hazel, because, he really, he really has in his heart. It's not something that, that happened that day only. Even before I believe, he was looking for the right opportunity. See? And when the opportunity comes, he grabbed the opportunity. At all cost. At all cost. Okay? You know, again, uh, when I was in, in, in the, uh, doing investigation works before, we, when we, when I investigate on, on robbery or theft cases, we always look at two components. If there's a need and there's an opportunity. If there's a need, but there's no opportunity, robbery will not take place. If there's an opportunity, but there's no need, robbery will not take place. There should be a need and there should be an opportunity. So if I need money and there's an opportunity for me to steal the money, I can do it. But if there's no opportunity, even though I need the money, I'll just stay. See? So need and opportunity. Now Hazel, he has a need. He wanted, he wanted power. He wanted authority. He wanted to be king over Syria. And now he saw this opportunity. Okay? When he saw this opportunity, he said, so he departed from Elisha. And it came to his master who said to him, what? Said Elisha to thee. And he said, and he answered, he told me that thou should surely recover. Okay? This was less than 24 hours when he heard what Elisha has to say. And it came to pass on the morning, the next morning, less than 24 hours. He took a thick cloth and dipped it in the water and spread it in his face and so he died in Hazel, rain in his stead. 
So all the while, Hazel was just waiting for the right opportunity. He wanted to be the king. And we got, when he got a confirmation in the mouth of the prophet that he will be king, he did not wait for the proper turnover. He did not wait for the king Benadad to, to retire from his being a king and, and, and turn over to him properly. The first thing he did, using a thick cloth, he killed his king. Now, some people will say, we, we, we never saw that coming. And sometimes you can see people who have been in the message for many years. Many, many years. And then suddenly they left the message. They didn't just left the message, they despised the message. Okay? And you can see down in their life what, in what direction they take. Like, like Brother Tim was, uh, was listening to his preaching about the signs and the seasons, and he was telling that this may be the season you don't like to act in the season, it's up to you. But where are you heading? Where are you right now? Is that right? And so these people, they, they left the message. And they will say, I didn't see it coming. Because they were, they were all so good. They were so righteous. They loved the message. They loved the prophet. They loved the brethren. But you know, it's already in their heart. It was already in their heart from the day, from day one. They just needed an opportunity to come out. So when an incident, a situation, or any circumstances will come up, they will use it as an excuse to leave the message. But they were, so, they were already planning to leave the message many years ago. So I will not be surprised because the Bible said before that day comes, there will be a falling away. They will come out of us because they are not of us. The Bible already prophesied it. He said it to us. So it's, it will not come as a surprise. Some, 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 some brothers uh, in the Philippines, they, when they heard so many things about because of the social media, you know. And they would say, how come this happened? Because it was already in their heart. These are the hazels in the message. They were just listening, take, uh, waiting for the right opportunity, and they will use it against to justify their coming out. They're coming out. But God will vindicate the truth. We're not worried about it. We're not worried about it. Because there will be few that will be coming in. Okay? And so, so we see this. The, the true colors went out. So the, the third purpose of anointing is for us, the, the true colors to come out. Okay? I remember, uh, um, in this, in one of the, in one of the message of the prophet, the mighty conqueror, he said, a man under pressure is what he is when he's under pressure. His rear characteristic will show when he's under pressure. Get him all riled up, stirred up. Then you'll, you'll see the real man come out. If he's got temper, it will show up. It's meek, if he's meek and gentle, it will show itself. Put him under pressure once. Just once. Okay? And God puts all his children under test to see whether there's any flow in them. So, God loves to test us. And I like to be tested. I like to be tested. Because if you will not be tested then how can you know that you're already, uh, you're already in the right position? We, we need to be tested. No matter how, uh, how well you know the message, it's all intellectual conception until it becomes a spiritual revelation in your heart. Okay? So we need testing. We need this because it will bring out our true colors. Okay? And some, in another message, when, 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 uh, when, you know, Brother Brenner spoke about Jairus as the secret believer, alright? 
He said, when a man gets in the, he, he, he was talking about Jairus in one of his messages, and he said he loved Jesus, he heard about Jesus, but he could not come out to the public and confess it. Because he, he's taking care of his, his position in the society. And sometimes people cannot show off their true colors until distress comes into the, to the family. And you know, the Lord knows how to bring us out of our closet. He knows how to bring our true colors. And you know the way? He gives us distress in the family. In the family. So if we don't want to show up our true colors, the collateral damage is always on our family. If I make a wrong decision in my life, you know the collateral damage is either to my son or to my wife. And that it taught me a great lesson in life. So if you love your family, don't make them collateral damages. Sometimes if you want, don't want to follow the Lord, you want to go this way, the Lord wants you to go this way, God will allow you. But there will be collateral damage. And sometimes it's too late. Right? And so here, the collateral damage was the daughter of Jairus. So she got sick. So it's, and then the prophet said, I like this, he said, it's in distress when we really show our colors, what we really are. Right? He was in distress. He had to do something. He had to give up, you know, being a leader in the synagogue and everything and all this reputation. He had to give it up because he knows that if he comes out and confesses that he believes Jesus Christ, he will be kicked out from the denomination. However, if he truly believes that his daughter will be healed, then he has to give up everything. So this time of distress, it was a time for action. Time had come for action. He must act. And he acted the right way. And the prophet said, the same is now. The time has come for action. The time has come to believe or don't believe. This is the separating time. The separating line comes to every man and woman. A while ago I was talking to Brother Biscal about the Israel and everything because there was a rabbi who went to the Philippines. It's a young rabbi and I said, how, how do we deal with, with, with rabbis? Because they go there and talk about the third temple and talk about the business of Israel. And the next thing you know, they want your money. <laughs> and I said, we are the Philippines, we are not the U.S. <laughs> we can pray for you. <laughs> you can pray that God will open your eyes, you know. But you see, um, what I'm trying to say that uh, we cannot force the issue. We cannot force. But this, this is a separating line. They have to decide, we have to decide, you have to decide. If you are sharing this message, the word of God, to any other people, we have to give them time, tell them, it's decision-making time. We cannot just continue and share and share. I remember when we were doing the seminars in Cambodia and we challenged the ministers. We have, you have heard many things about the message now. It's about time to come up and say if you will receive the message or not. And out of the more than 20 people, only four continued. So we don't, we, we cannot control the whole crowd, right? But for the four, it was all worth it. And of course those four have their own congregation. But it has to come to a decision making time. They have to decide. Otherwise, uh, we cannot continue just, you know, giving them and giving them and they don't respond. There's always a time limitation. There's always a boundary. There's always a fine line between judgment and mercy. Okay? See, and so these are the three purposes of anointing to fulfill the ministry of God, uh, break down the, the works of the enemy, to bring out the true colors. Okay? Now, 
Brother Branham was speaking about Dimas when he was preaching about I think the, the title of the message was uh, my, my present, the present stage of my ministry and he said he said I imagine Dimas Dimas the, 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 the companion of Paul he said did, uh, Dimas didn't forsake him and start to go off to nightclubs he said because Paul was saying Dimas has forsaken me okay he was telling uh, Timothy to bring his clothes, uh, one coat and everything. And Brother Branham was expounding about Demas. said, I don't imagine Demas did. He said, because Demas was a spirit-filled man. He was a great helper. And he said, if you ever took the history of Demas, he said, he was a notable preacher, a fine, cultured man, highly polished, educated. He was a smart man. See, so it was a question: Why would he forsake Paul? He was, if he was a smart man, Paul was the one who led him to the Lord. Demas saw how Paul spearheaded great revivals for the Gentiles. He was associated with Paul. He seen the Spirit of God move in the ministry of Paul. He seen, he, he saw the vindication in the ministry of Paul. But the prophet, the, the Paul said, loving the present world. Now Demas did not backslide. The prophet said. But he got the wrong opinion of Paul. He got the wrong opinion of Paul. He came out from a rich family. He was wealthy. And you know, sometimes for other people, money is religion. If you are, if you are prospering, then you are in the right faith. Some, some people who were in our church before and they left the message and they prospered financially, materially. And they said, we are in the right track because we are being blessed. When we were holding seminars in Thailand, the, the, we were sharing about the seven church ages. And when the question and answer came, nobody asked about the seven church ages. They asked about prosperity gospel. Because that's what they like. These are, these are pastors who are also lawyers at the same time. These are rich people and their evidence that they have the right faith is because they're being blessed in their careers. They're being blessed in, and I said, uh, I asked the Lord, how, how will I answer them? I said, I, I gave them example of Lazarus. Lazarus was born poor. He lived poor. He died poor. But when he woke up, he was in glory. He never been, he had never experienced prosperity in his life except for the crumbs of the rich man that he's throwing to Lazarus. But the rich man who was rich when he was born, rich when he lived, and rich when he died, when he woke up, he was in the other side. So I told them, prosperity is not, sometimes the prophet said in the message influence, it's a hard thing to say, but prosperity ruins people. Right? We, we want to be prosperous. God, the, the Bible has many promises about prosperity, but if it's not used in the right way, it will lead us to, to, to ruin. See, so here's Demas. He, he was he was looking at Paul's ministry and he said, "I think this fellow is already washed up. I think the ministry is over. Before he can strike the per, the person blind, now he's too weak. Okay, maybe he cannot see anymore. And to make the story worse, he has only one coat. How can a man that was used by God has only one coat? Okay." Does, was there nobody who offered him some, some, some money to buy additional coat? Or somebody gave him a second-handed coat? 
So people, because Demas was all the while, he was with Paul the whole time. But his heart was in the money. Just like Judas. So many people today, and I'm not referring to denomination, we know what's happened to the denomination. We're looking in the denomination, in the message churches. Many people in the message are just in the message for something. It's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Okay? And, 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 and whenever the Lord brings me, either in, in our country or in different countries, I can see the same spirit everywhere. Okay? And they, there are those people who just like the good things. But when they see your ministry just going down and down and down, they say, it's over. But it's not over. It's not over. See? And if we will look at the Bible principle, it says, He must increase and we must decrease. In other words, if at the end of my ministry, I'll be very popular, then I fail. Because I was, I was not able to increase the Lord in my ministry. But if at the end of my ministry, nobody will remember my name, that means I'm successful. Because they will only remember the Lord that I preach. So it's not a condition that we see, oh, the, the ministry, they're getting old, they're, they're washed up, they, they, they don't have the anointing anymore. You're wrong. Because the anointing will just transfer to another man. And the Lord, the, the man that God used, he'll just bring it home. Alright? And, and here's Demas, he was looking at the glamour. He was looking at the reputation, he was looking at the wrong things of Paul. So he didn't see the glory of the of the works of the Lord in Paul. Like just like just like uh, Elijah, he was looking not on Elijah but on the works of the Lord, and that's why what what I want to tell you today. See, let us look at the works of the Lord. Let us look at the, how the Lord works in the ministry. Amen. Time will come. We will we will become fewer and fewer. <laughs> There will not be a great world revival for the message. If you are talking about statistics and thousands and hundreds of people coming into the message. When in the influx, Brother Ernie knows that, of the Mystery Expo in the Philippines, there were hundreds of pastors receiving the message. And, you know, they got baptized for many other reasons. But after a period of time, they start leaving the message. They start leaving the message. When I was young, I, I used to be excited when people are coming in. But then I realized it's not about excitement. If they can stay long, that's what makes me excited. If I can see transformed lives, that is what makes me excited. Because they can be baptized today, tomorrow they live. Right? Of course we rejoice in people getting baptized. We rejoice in people coming into the message. But we have, there's a, there's a test. They have to stay longer. They have to be transformed. Amen. And we are looking in the finish line. Okay? We are looking for those who will reach the finish line, not those who will start. Many will start the race, but few, very few will finish. And I believe that all of us here, we wanted to finish the race. We don't want uh, to start good and uh, fast and everything. Then at the middle, we stop and we go back. And then we realize that the, the distance from the halfway back to the starting line is also the same distance from the halfway to the finish line. So you just wasted your effort. So there's no turning back. No turning back. And when we decide to follow God, we should be determined, focused, and do our best. Okay? And when we do that, we do it with all our might, with all our heart, no matter what. 
No matter what the condition is. See? Let's not look at the fashions of this world. Let us not look at the politics and everything. This is none of our affairs. I was telling in our country because we have an upcoming senatorial election in March and there is there are some brothers who are trying, trying to campaign to campaign the best senator for this coming election in our country and I said that's none of our affairs. You can put the best leader there but this world is falling apart. No administration can make it perfect unless they come to the Lord. And so people they just want to, you know, to, to focus their attention sometimes. And, and that's what the, the devil is doing. He's trying to, to, to derail us from our main focus. Put our things, our eyes on, on the things of the world and the fashions of the world. And you know, see, this is the funny thing, you know, about people, you know, uh, looking at the things of the world. You know? They want to buy things that they, with, with the, with the money that they don't have. Okay? They want to buy things with the money that they, they don't have. So that they can impress people that they do not know. Right? That's the fashion. I will buy this because I will imp- want to impress the people that they don't even know me. See? But why, why, why will we waste our precious time in doing those things? We have more better things to do. We have better things to do. There's a lot of things that we are doing. We have heard the mission reports and everything. And uh, I believe we, there's something that all of us can do. You know, in whatever God will tell us. It's not about, this not about mission works. It's about what we can do for the Lord. That's what we can do for the Lord. Mission works is just another venue of doing things for the Lord. What you, you can do something for the Lord right in your neighborhood. You can do some things in the Lord just in your workplace. Just, just in your family. See? No matter how small it is, if that is what God gave you, then you should be a good steward of it. See? So that's the Lord anointing. We need to find what God anointed us to do. My anointing is different from your anointing. God anointed you for a reason. You, many of you come from other countries and God allowed you to be here because God has a reason for you to be here. You will be better here than you go back to your country because God will use you here. So we do not know. Some of you may know it already. But the thing is, if you will be obedient to the Lord, not just partial obedience, but total obedience, I believe that the Lord will continuously open up, open up these things to us. And when we see that happening, then we can say, Lord, we have done our part. We have done our part. Just, just, just one thing that I want to say when, when life is over and uh, my ministry is over, I would say, Lord, I have done my part. I've done my part. And uh, that's what I want to encourage you tonight. Let's look for our part and let's, let's do it humbly. At the end of the day, we will not look for reports. <laughs> I do reports in our church. I do reports when I was working with Bible believers. I do reports because that was part of my responsibility. Yeah. But, you know, reports are just reports. Does any of you remember the report that I gave in June 16, 2002? You might not even remember that I was here. So what I'm saying is, reports will be forgotten. It will be forgotten. What I did, or the brothers did in the mission field, one day it will be forgotten. It will be forgotten. Next generation will come up. They will forget. But there is one God who remembers it. And we are doing it for God. We are not doing it for any other thing. If nobody knows it, then as long as God knows what you did, it's fine.
Amen. So, I hope uh, you have gained something in this short message. And I, uh, I'm uh, praying that uh, the Lord will uh, give us something more this coming Sunday. I just uh, want to open my heart. I uh, just want to encourage everybody. And I just want to let you know that this coming year, this new year, that the Lord has prepared something better for us, better than before. We're not looking backwards, we're not looking what we're doing today, but we're looking always forward. It's always moving forward, moving forward. And lastly, I would like to close. Um, there was a wise man who told me before, he said, how, I was asking him, uh, how can you, how can you be sure that, uh, you have a balanced life, okay? Because if you work in the corporate, I used to work in, in, in the IBM and, uh, they always boast about, boast about work and life balance. You have to be balanced in everything. See? But you know, if you live a Christian life, it's not a balanced life. You have to sacrifice many things. But the, the best thing to know that if you are balanced in your life, you should be always moving forward. Moving forward. So he said, it's like riding a bicycle. If you keep on putting your feet down, you will never be in balance. But if you start doing the pedal and going moving forward, you will get your balance. So our life should be always moving forward. In the book of Ecclesiastes 7, he said, don't say that the former days are better than today. Because we are looking for a glorious day. What we have done in the past, it is the glare of the past. We cannot bank on it anymore. We have been with message believers who were in the past with us, but now they are not with us. I, I, those are just memories but I would like to move forward and when I move forward we will move forward together then we can be happy Amen. we will not despise those people but again we have to move forward leave everything behind yes. leave everything behind and move you cannot move forward if you keep on looking back okay you can look back so many people it's like driving a car okay and I'll close on this it's like driving a car when you drive a car when you go out go to your parking lot and you drive a car, you look at, before you back up, you look at your rear mirror. It's a small mirror, but it's very vital, because if you do not look at the rear mirror, you will bump somebody in the back. Okay, but you, if you keep on looking on the rear mirror, it's probably you will also meet an accident when you go forward. Because you cannot drive looking at the rear mirror. I would like to tell you that there's a bigger mirror in the car. It's called the windshield. It's in front. Look at the bigger shield, the bigger mirror, not on the small mirror. In other words, what I'm telling to you, my brothers, is let's look at the big picture. Don't look at always in the past. Oh, we did this, we did this, we accomplished this. It's all good. It's all good. But it's in the past. Just a, just a simple, wise reminder. There's a big mirror in front of us. Let's look on that mirror and let's move forward. And the Lord willing will base our message on, this, uh, on Sunday morning on that premise. And I pray that we'll have a blessed weekend. God bless you all. Thank you.